1: AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to anfieldindexpro.com and get started today.
2: Hi everyone, I'm Mo Chatter and welcome to another episode of Money Talks. And uh, I've got a very topical and interesting subject um, that has created much debate, discussion, angst, uh, fume, and all other types of emotions amongst the Liverpool fan base, but also fans of other clubs as well. Um, It is the uh, uh, spending of uh, Chelsea Football Club. And where that became very relevant to Liverpool Football Club and its fan base was in the last uh, week or so, when uh, Liverpool attempted to hijack a deal for Moises Caicedo, only for um, Chelsea to um, ensure that they were not going to let their primary summer target um, head uh, to Merseyside. Um, They hijacked the deal uh, that Liverpool put in place, and ultimately they got their player. And um, to rub salt into the wound, they also went and uh, signed... Another player that Liverpool had been after for a considerably longer period in uh, Romeo Lavia from uh, Southampton, um, who has been signed, as I believe, as I understand it today, as we record this, the 16th of August. So, um, fantastic time for Chelsea and their fan base in terms of incomings. um, But, you know, nonetheless, um, these incomings have come at a considerable cost. And that's on top of the significant sums of money that were spent um, in January of this calendar year, as well as the summer transfer window of 2022, uh, which was shortly after um, the Bodie Consortium took over Chelsea um, once uh, Roman Abramovich had to uh, depart with uh, his beloved football club. So um, to join me in discussing this story, which has a number of very interesting angles to it, um, is somebody that's – uh, posted some very interesting commentary about the subject, very informed uh, discussion around it um, on, on Twitter, and has also appeared on uh, national radio and other media outlets in the last uh, couple of days to discuss the matter. So, very fortunate to be joined by Stefan Borsen, football finance expert. How are you doing, Stefan? Good, good. How are you doing? Yes, very good. Thank you. Very good. Um yes, yeah, so a delighted that you've joined. And uh, as I say, um it's a very topical subject and uh you know you are as well placed as anyone given your, your background and some of the work that you've done over the years um to uh, discuss this subject with. So um if we can start by um looking at Chelsea spending and uh you know bear in mind that um prior to uh the Body Consortium coming in. Um, Chelsea did declare uh, significant losses in uh, the 2021 uh, 22 financial year. And um, where there are losses amounting to 105 million over three reporting periods, three financial years, um, that will prompt um, um, uh, potential investigation and uh, breaches of the Premier League rules relating to the profitability and sustainability rules um, can be levelled against the club. And based on your analysis, Stefan, um, there certainly seems to be a direction travel where Chelsea's finances are concerned, where they may well be in breach of um, the PSR laid out in the handbook. So uh, for those listeners that are unaware that perhaps haven't read um, some of your tweets over the last few days, do you just want to give a, 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 a brief explanation of why you think um, ch- Chelsea are potentially in trouble when it comes to those rules that are laid out in the Premier League handbook?
3: Yeah, sure. So look, you've outlined the, the 105. It's 105 for Chelsea because they're able to put in um, an amount of equity each year, uh, which, which takes the number up to 105. I mean, actually for United, the the, the limit is 15 million quid. Uh, but for Chelsea, it's 105. Um, look, what, what, I've been looking at this for a while. Uh, as everybody is, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a City fan, but um, I think everybody that's, that looks at these Premier League clubs um, is intrigued about what they've been doing and trying to sort of figure it out because it's all just so different. Um, and, and what really sort of piqued my interest was the lunacy of the eight-year amortization uh, of footballers uh, uh, in terms of what that means on the other side of it, which is an eight-year liability. And um, that's really been the thing that sort of sat in the back of my mind for quite some time. We then had, uh, in the spring, uh, their numbers come out and, and were published, and it showed a picture that was not surprising, but that was obviously horrific, and it showed an operating loss of 242 million pounds and obviously that drops into the the PNS calculation uh, but is adjusted for one various things but also for profit on player sales and so obviously that's a very big number but it's offset now the second thing that also is is absolutely important uh, critical in terms of reviewing Chelsea is that this is a club who virtually always has made a loss. Now we all know that most clubs make a loss. Um but Chelsea in particular have been operating um with with a very big deficit for 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 a long time. We all know the amount of debt that was left by Abramovich and we all know that during the Abramovich years what they did very successfully to at least uh, mitigate some of those losses was sold footballers. And and that is a core central part of of you know the business of football there's no problem with that but they've taken it to another level as we all know over the last three windows and the thing that really sort of triggered this latest bit of um of interest and kind of just trying to understand what the thinking was was actually mason mount because i'd sort of had a look at the numbers for um, 2023, so the season just gone. So the accounts for that year run from 30 June 2022 to 30 June 2023. And looking at those accounts uh, and sort of not really taking any great time to model it, but just sort of taking, say, Swiss Rambles uh, articles and and just sort of extrapolating in a very simple way what that might look like, it started to to, uh, sort of trigger a a feeling that they were actually miles away from from hitting the number and that they would require a profit on player sales, very similar to 2022. And uh, when I looked then at the schedule of players that had been sold at the half year, again, using some of the information provided by Swiss Ramble. And then again, adding on to that, the players that were sold uh, before 30 June, it's occurred to me that actually there was a story here. Um, I'm not a story because I want to, you know, get it published or anything. I'm not, I'm not really interested in that. And to be honest, I, I actually decided not to write it up for, for a sub stack or a blog piece just because it just takes so long. And it actually is quite, you know, it's just it's just not a good use of my time but i just started to tweet about it and the thing that really triggered my or 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 sort of doubled down my my interest was the mason mount situation because on my numbers they're not make they're not breaking even uh for 22 23 on my forecast now Clearly, some of the numbers in this forecast, and we can talk about some of the detail, if, if that's sort of suitable for this podcast or, you're of in, uh, or it's of interest to your listeners. Um, but um, it's obviously only a forecast. We will see the numbers in due course. It's going to take quite some time before they're published. I don't think that Chelsea will be rushing them out. Mm. But it seemed to me that they needed the Mason Mount deal to be the balancing factor, to take them over the edge of, of of break even, and yet what they did was actually, despite lots of discussion about they were about to 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 complete that transaction. they actually completed it over the uh, year end into this current accounting period, and so that triggered in my mind the question as to why they'd done that um, because it seemed to me one they were short, and two it was just a slightly odd thing to do.
1: and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yes,
2: and um, so just on, on that then, I mean... You, you mentioned potentially it is a deliberate um, what wh- Why do you think that might be? Why, why do you think that Chelsea would be potentially looking to end up in trouble um, in terms of breaching the rules? And uh, yeah. do, do, they, do Do you feel that they don't fear any real significant repercussions or uh, is there anything perhaps a bit more to it than that?
3: Well, I've been working on a theory that that this is part of – well, first of all, 22-23, why why are they looking to, you know, fail? They're obviously not looking to fail 22-23. If they could, they would pass 22-23, I'm sure. But uh, towards the year end, they found themselves in a position where they have a certain number of uh, player sales that are required. Yeah. They've spent the money. You know, the money's gone because you're at the you're at the year end. You've already spent all of your all of the money on the wages for the year. You've also had the amortisation hit in your P and L for the whole year. So you then have at the end of the year, you're scrambling around for an amount of profit on player sales that is going to balance the the equation. That you need to run to 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 meet profit and sustainability and I, I don't know how familiar everybody is that's listening with how the whole thing works what the additions are and what the sums are what the system is the three-year rolling i can go into it if you like but it, certainly what's true is once you get to kind of june as a football club in chelsea's position you can see whether you're going to pass it or not because you've got the numbers in front of you so nobody else has got the numbers because they're not published but you've got the numbers because you've got your management accounts and you can model out exactly what's going to happen, and you know what the deals that you can do are for the footballers so but for it, it, the the thing that intrigued me then when they get to June is they say well we don't need we don't need Mason mount in this current financial year now either that means that i in in my view from the, the work that I've done they've done somewhere in the order of 95, 97 million pound of player profit in 22, 23 when they actually needed somewhere in the order of 125, maybe a bit more, maybe 130 million, right? So I think on my numbers, I think they failed. However, I do accept that there are a few bits and pieces in the 22, 23 numbers that might get them out of jail, for want of a better word, um, and where my forecast might have certain errors in it. Uh, For example, just just as an example of a very big number that maybe they can argue away, they spent the best part of £45 million sacking Tuchel and bringing in um Graham Potter and then sacking Graham Potter and all of that together the compensation in respect of that is going to be in an exceptional item of 45 50 million quid now maybe they will find a way to argue with the Premier League that in some way that's not ordinary course and therefore that shouldn't be included in the calculation now I dispute that but if they did do that and I, you know I've got the model in front of me now. Clearly, if I make the fifty the £50 million a zero, clearly the amount of money they needed to raise from player sales would come down. I accept yeah. that. It doesn't yeah. fix the problem in 23-24, which we can talk about. Um, but that's the sort of thing that, you know, that I think has kind of been the discussion that's going on at their yeah. end. But the real big crunch for Chelsea comes... In the current season, because twenty three, twenty four, and you know, I've said this on everything that I've done, and I'll say it here: I'm not saying Bowley doesn't know what the, what he's doing, and Clear Lake have got no idea. They've got loads of great people around; they're not totally clueless. I mean, I've heard very mixed things about um, about the whole operation there and the decisions that they've taken and everything else, and we can see it. We can see it ourselves. You know, they bring in a manager on a long-term project, in Graham Potter, and then they sack him after God knows, you know, what six months. I mean, what sort of what sort of decision is that? But generally, they know what they're doing. They're not fools. They've got very high-quality people in the organization, and they will know all of the numbers and they'll model out and all of that stuff. So none of this is. I'm not suggesting that they're just that that they're foolish, but I think you, if you were to try and write a script for twenty three uh, for four the season that's just gone, if you were trying to write a script for how it could go badly, having just bought an asset for two and a half billion quid, you'd write it pretty similar to what happened. No Europe, not even Europa. So they can't even invite the fans in to see some second-rate Europa game and at least fill the stadium out for two million pound a hit. No, Not a single uh, cup home game happened Last season, uh, they got knocked out both trophies away at City. Um, the um, they finished 12th in the league. Um, I mean, you know, it just goes on and on, you know. It's yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it almost couldn't have gone any worse last season, and they're going to pay for that not in last season, they're going to pay for it in 23 24 because of the way football works,
2: yeah. Quite, um. No uh, UEFA um, revenues for the season.
3: Um,
2: commercial. Just to give you a fi- I,
3: I can give you a feel for the scale of the issue in twenty four that people can understand in a very very simple way. Sure. If you work on the basis that twenty twenty two they did four hundred eighty million revenue broadly, and twenty twenty three let's say they're going to do five hundred five ten. In my model, I've been generous to them. I said 510, but let's say 500. 2024, so the current season, okay, you've got match day. Well, it's almost impossible for them to do more than 50 million pounds. They've, They've been used to doing 60 and 70 million pounds match day. They were actually doing 70 million pounds match day in 2013, right? And they have not grown match day ever. Because of yeah. the stadium restrictions, they've not put any. Uh, you know that we all know how difficult it is to raise prices, even in Chelsea. Mm. And uh, they've usually had within that mix that gets them to seventy million. They've usually had some Champions League games, uh, you know, and a decent number of of domestic cup games. Last season, they did about sixty. It might even have been a bit less. Um, yeah. This season, they've got no no European. All, I think they'll struggle to do more than fifty. On broadcasting, even if they win the league, they're not going to top one seventy-five because yeah. all they've got is the domestic deal. Obviously, mm-hmm. the international rights, but it's domestic football. They're going to lose between ninety and hundred million pounds on the European broadcast deal. That's going to go with ten million of match day. On top of that, the com- on the commercial side, they've got no shirt sponsor. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Intelligent Athletes. Whatever you want to read about that situation seems to me to be an absolute impossibility. That is not a company that even has the cash to pay 40 to 50 million pounds a year for the shirt, even if they wanted it. And by the way, there seems to be no viable reason why a company that's a B2B technology provider to sports teams would want to be on a mass market uh, consumer uh, focused audience. So I don't believe that at all. I don't know what the game is. I don't know why it's going through any process if it is. But even if it is going through an associated party transaction approval process by the Premier League, that's not going to happen overnight. Um, so I don't see that that sort of filling the gap. Look, maybe they'll get somebody to sit on the on the kit for half a season. Maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, they're not going to be on the replica kit. So what are they going to pay? They Historically, they've sold it for between 40 and 50 million quid. Uh, I think the property should be worth forty million quid a year. You know, Chelsea is a very attractive club. We can we can all joke about them, but it is. And yeah. and then they they had the double whammy of losing the sh- the sleeve sponsor, so they've got no shirt sponsorship whatsoever. So that's a sixty million pound minimum hole in the commercial PL. So mm. I don't see that they're going to do more than four hundred million quid of turnover for the current year. And if you're working with just four hundred million quid of turnover. They would really have to smash their wage bill down to start thinking about making any profits at the EBITDA line. And the EBITDA line is the line before the exceptional items that I spoke about with things like legal fees, like Potter, like Tuchel. Uh, management change. Although those those two that I've just mentioned are not in 2024. Just to be clear, that they're, they're going to be in 2023, as we t- talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, and then the big number here, which is the amorti- amortization number, which we need to talk about, because obviously that's been a very interesting. It, it, in I say interesting, not really interesting at all, but it's become you know an incredibly topical situation if you're looking at football finance. And that's a very big number. And I'm saying on my numbers that they're going to be at zero or maybe even a negative number before you even take off player amortization. And just to understand what that number might look like, well, it was 160 in 2022. It's probably over 200 million in 2023. And the question is, what is it in 2024? Well, it could be 200 million quid. So they may be on course to have a loss of well over 220 million pounds again for 2024 mm. and I'll yeah. explain why that's so relevant in a minute when we look at the the way that the P&S calculation works on a 3 year rolling basis because what happens is the loss in 2024 replaces a small profit that they made during the covid period and so what you're going to end up with is this massive loss in 24 massive loss in 23 massive loss in 22 you're going to total all those together it's going to come out at some huge number like 700 million quid. Then you're going to make some allowances against that to try and get somewhere close to 105 million. But you're going to start 600 million quid away from the allowable loss. Right? That's going to be quite interesting to see how they manage to do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the handbook does um, set out those... um, elements that can be netted off against that um, figure. And, um, you know, you've got expenditure on the women's team, on, on the academy. Um, you've you got...
3: Uh, yeah, it's depreciation. Yeah, de- depreciation youth development, uh, yeah. women's football, community, amortization, but not player amortization. Not player. Right, yeah. importantly. Yeah. Right, so it's just you know, it's pretty, it's like the, you know, the oh. computers in the office cool. um, and any stadium expenses. So, you know, for for Chelsea, uh, we've just said that they might need to find 600 million. Just so you understand what allowable deductions are in the context of Chelsea, you're probably looking at something like 35 million pound a year. So you'd have mm. three years of those. So you'd have around about 105 million quid, right? Okay, fine. But that's, Remember, we're starting with a deficit of 600, and you've got allowable deductions of 100 there.
2: Yes. And now the uh, the parent company, just uh, uh, the, the parent company in 21-22 um, did make a payment to um, directors, notably Bruce Buck, um, and those payments amounted to just under £50 million. Pounds. So do you think that they potentially could argue that those should also be treated as exceptional as well.
3: Or? Well, they're not in the numbers. So this was one of the things I talked to Simon Jordan about yesterday on Talk Sport, and right. so he was making the point that they were a relevant piece that they could add back. But and I, I was a bit, I, I was, I was caught on the hop a little bit because I've not got them in my numbers, and so my initial view was, well, they're not in my numbers, and it sounds like ordinary course if they were paid by the the football club but then i double check straight after the the piece on talk sport. And as you said, they weren't in the numbers. They, they were paid by the parent company. So they were never in Chelsea's numbers. So you can forget them. Chelsea yeah. never paid it. So, so yeah. it, they're they're completely, imagine they didn't happen. They're completely irrelevant for this discussion. So, yeah. uh, no, that's not going to save them. And in any event, when it comes to 2024, I uh, know it would, that, that, sorry, that, that's right. Uh, uh, I'm just trying to think. Actually, um yes. Sorry, <laughs> had they been paid, they would be relevant still for 2024 because they were in the 2022 financial year. So T- they would be two. relevant. But anyway, forget it because they're not there, right? Yeah. So just ignore those. <laughs> they're, not um, the account, the they're not in the
2: club's accounts, but the parent.
3: They're not in the club's accounts. They were paid by a different company. The the yeah. only reason that they ever they ever appeared as a note in the club's accounts is because they were clearly relevant in terms of how much the biggest director was paid and how much the rest of the board was paid for the previous year. But it clearly expressly says that it wasn't paid by the football club. Mm. So uh, that is not going to save you. Can you can, no, well, you can no. absolutely ignore that. Of the 600 million that we talked about in 2024, where I've just given you allowable deductions of around about 100 million quid, the big, then the big missing element is profit on player sales. And that's why we've had all this discussion about what, you know what's going on with them, how they're going to make these numbers add up. But in essence, what you get down to is a situation where you're going to have to make somewhere in the order of... of 450, £500 million pound of player sales over the three years. So over. So if we were to take this as an analysis of what's going to happen for this current year, 2324, you're going to have the numbers for 23-24, the numbers for last season, and the numbers for the season before. And you're going to add those three together, and you're going to say, what a profit on player sales over those three years does it come to 450 500 million pounds and if it doesn't it looks to me as if they breached 2024's profit and sustainability test and then then you can go back and go okay well we know the number for 2022 it's 123 million quid because it's in the accounts we can model the number for the current for the year that's just gone the season that's just gone I say it's about 97 million quid, right? Now, I'll tell you why I feel more confident in that number just today in a minute. But let's say it's 100 for the sake of discussion. So you've got 123, you've got 100. That's going to leave a massive hole that they need to fill in player sales for this current year. And then I can tell you now, I'm pretty confident that they've done fifty-five net yeah right because not all of these are profit profit making sales 55 so far for 2324 plus livramento's um sell on clause which is probably worth quite a lot of money maybe maybe as much as 12 million quid um but it doesn't take you know doesn't take much uh, extrapolation to know that they're absolutely miles away And that's why I then come out with the conclusion that I've come to, which is that they're just not bothered and that they're quite happy to fail on the basis, perhaps naively, that all that's going to happen is they're going to have a financial penalty of in the tens of millions of pounds and then everybody moves on as if it never happened. And over time, they fix that themselves because clearly – this exceptional spending over the last three years, sorry, last two years, last three windows, is not going to go on forever, you would imagine. And actually, it's not going to go on forever because if you're Bowley, at some point you do need to make a return and he is going to ask himself, well, why am I still spending money? I already, in my opinion, he's already overpaid. And if he keeps spending money, he's just digging himself a bigger hole that he's never going to be able to make a profit on.
2: Absolutely. And his investors, um, you know, quite importantly, we'll certainly be asking questions to say, look, um, what's going on here? Uh, We're putting all this money in. Uh, And obviously, there's been speculation about the source of that investment, and, you know, uh, one of Clear Lake's um, major investors happens to be the Saudi PIF, Um, and, you know, a lot of the uh, talk has been that that has been the source of uh, the, the funds that have allowed for Chelsea to spend so extravagantly since last summer.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm very dismissive of this. I mean, I have to say, uh, you okay. know, I, I know, look, we've we're, uh, we're there's a, we've got a world that's obsessed with conspiracy theories and kind of, you know, that in the background, there's lots of really clever things. I think the reality is that PIF are one of the most active um, um, uh, partners, uh, investors in funds such as Clear Lake and many, many other funds all around Silicon Valley. And the list of uh, of, uh, of funds that they invest in is public information. Uh, it's actually not on the PIF website. There's a different website, but it was recently disclosed uh, their list of investments on from the Saudi side. And they are in every major venture capital firm in Silicon Valley. And I'm quite sure that they've done some some investment Potentially in some of Clear Lake's funds, as a as a limited partner, um, sorry, as a, a general partner, uh, as it's known, um, in terms of being a a funder, effectively of that fund. That does not mean that ultimately PIF are a part owner of of Chelsea. I suspect that they're not, and that the story is not really true, um, and that it plays no part in what's going on at Chelsea.
2: Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4pm, Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. But even if um, you know the funds are not coming from the Middle East and are coming from elsewhere, ultimately, um, the outlay has been very, very significant, and it is creeping
3: up towards a billion pounds in just over a calendar year. And yeah, well, do you want me to blow your mind on this? So i th- i i think uh, i think it's all been underestimated the uh, the scale of the investment even beyond the the billion so i'd say why why i've come to that conclusion and actually it's public information um um and i did tweet about it a couple of times i, I had a look at their accounts yesterday and uh, their 2022 accounts and at the back of the 2022 accounts there is a post-balance sheet events um, disclosure. And the way it works in accounts are that you produce your accounts, they're signed off. uh, In the case of Chelsea, they were signed off on the 7th of October of 2022. So the accounts ran to the 30th of June. They then did the audit. It was completed on the 7th of October, signed, finished, closed, available to be filed with the Premier League. We don't know when they did file it. Um, but available to be filed, and then you then you have to file it by the end of March. From memory, uh, so it's nine months uh, after they have to file it with Companies House, and so they That's eventually right. filed it with with Companies House on the very last day. I think it was again from memory. I think it was on the last day, uh, even though the, the accounts had been signed off uh, officially internally on the seventh of October. And at the back of those accounts, you have to make a statement as to the material transactions that occurred from the end of the uh, the balance sheet date, i.e. the 30th of June 2022, through to the date that you sign off the accounts, so the 7th of October. Now, clearly, that covers the whole of the summer window, the 30th of June 2022, all the way through to the 7th of October. And it says in that note, Chelsea spent £368.7 million on players and the cost relating to the replacement and hiring of the first team management. Now, we know from Brighton's accounts that the hiring of Graham Potter cost them twenty-one point five million pounds. We also have estimates that two paid ten, and so together, for the sake of discussion, let's say they, they their disclosure was three hundred and seventy about what they'd spent on players and sacking the first team manager and hiring Graham Potter. So let's say that was three seventeen total. We know that 21.5 was, uh, was, was Potter. Let's say 10 of it was Tuchel. So let's say that was 30 of it. That leaves 340 million pounds spent on players. Plus, so that's initial fees plus the cost of the agents, I.e. the amount that's going to be amortized on the balance sheet. Now, What's surprising is that in that window, they only signed eight players Fafana, Cucurella, Sterling, Koulibaly, and four players who are not going to be, you know, not going to move the dial. Anybody that would have done the maths on the signings that happened in this first window would have said they'd spent 250 million quid max. Fafana, 70, Cucurella, maybe 55, Sterling, maybe 40, 45. Uh, bali 35, whatever it was. Anyway, the number comes to about 250 in the public domain. But their own disclosure is saying they spent 340, oh. including agent fees. Yeah. That 340 has to be amortized as part of this ongoing amortization. Now, I just thought, okay, well, maybe there's something that we've missed. and Let's have a look at some of the other ones. So I went back and looked at the prior year and it's got a discussion around um, Lukaku Now, we were all led to believe Lukaku cost 97 million quid, right? And they only signed, in the window they signed Lukaku, they only signed Saul and also a guy called Burstow, a young player they got from Charlton. The Mm. the fee, from my research, was negligible, kind of a couple of million. So let's say the Saul and Burstow fees together were, I don't know, Six, seven million quid. Let's be generous, right? The loan fee for Seoul and, and this thing. Let's say it was seven million quid. Well, the disclosure in the accounts is that the initial payments for those three players was £118 million. Pounds. Now, if that's the case, and seven of it was on Seoul and the other guy, that means that £111 million and not £97 million was associated with Lukaku. Again, an uplift of like 15 you know, nearly 20% on what hmm. we thought. Now, if that's reflected in all of these windows, their spending is going to be way over a billion pounds. It's probably near a 1.1. And the same thing applied in previous years. So if you look at the the balance sheet that has the details around the uh, the previous uh, window, the previous summer, when they signed Havertz, Chilwell, Ziyech and Mendy, my numbers and anybody's numbers that's done the work and, and had a look, uh, I, I really sound like a complete freak even doing this research. But, you know, I've I just, I just pieced it together, largely from, uh, you know, Swiss Ramble and, and some other trusted sources. But if you were to, again, do the maths on Havertz, Chilwell, Mendy and ZH, the numbers that are in the market are 75 for Havertz, 50 for Chilwell, 22 for Mendy, And 33, Thor, ZH. Well, that totals 181. But their disclosure in their own accounts is 222. That's an uplift of 22%. Now, all I'm saying is if every time we look at one of these batches of players they bought and we go, oh, well, they've only spent, not only, but they've spent, you know, 500 million in this window. If actually it's not 500 and it's 600. And if the amortization is not split over eight years, but actually it's split over the average length of the contracts here, which actually is probably near a six and a half or six years and not eight. They have a couple of players that are on eight, but not all of them are on eight. Quite a few of them are not. So the average amortization might be sort of six and a half. So from one perspective, and when I had this discussion with Simon Jordan, from one perspective, he was going, okay, we take, you take the spend of 800 million, you divide it by eight. And it means you've got an amortization going forward of hundred million pound a year. But what if that's wrong? And what if it is actually 1.1 billion of spend and the number's only 6.5 years that you're spreading it over? Well, all of a sudden you've gone from uh, hundred million pound a year of amortization right up to uh, 1.1 divided by 6.5, 170 million pound of amortization for the new players. And so, That's meaningful because when you get back to looking at whether they're going to be able to pass the test, if you remember what I was saying in 2024, they have no earnings to play with. So the amortization is all loss. It all falls to a loss, every penny of it, because they're not offsetting any profits.
0: Mm.
3: And so it becomes a very significant issue if actually their spending has been even higher than we might think. And that's putting to putting completely to one side the question of what have they sold? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and on the subject of amortisation, um, and for regular listeners, we've we've discussed and explained the concept of amortisation on many occasions over the years. So I won't have I won't re- repeat that again. But uh, the, the the point you made about the eight years thing, and uh, uh, understand that UEFA close the quote-unquote loophole around that um, so that even if a player is signed for eight years, seven years, nine years even, um, the amortization um, is effectively limited to five years for for the purposes of the UEFA FFP calculation. Um, That doesn't apply currently to the Premier League um, PSR calculation However, there has been discussion just the last day or two that the Premier League is looking to uh, limit to five as well. Is, is that your understanding?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we can say with a level of certainty that as soon as they can get that rule in, they will. Because yeah. it's not a difficult rule for them to vote in. All the teams are going to vote for it because, surprise, surprise, nobody else does it. And the yeah. reason nobody else does it is because it's madness it's, it's madness. From a business perspective, if they, if they really are genuine eight-year contracts, it's madness. But nobody else does it, so they're going to be very happy to bring the rule in. The only question is when will the rule kick in in terms of which periods will it affect and how retro, retroactive will it be? Now, UEFA, I actually uh, went through the UEFA rules, and it doesn't say anywhere that actually it's going to uh, not be retrospective. It, it actually almost suggest that you would take all of your numbers and you would adjust them for 5 years but i'm told by um by somebody that would know that um not uh, it is in the press release that it won't be retroactive but actually in the guidance that's been given to the clubs it's also been they've also been told that it will not be retrospective, so it will only apply to players from the first of July onwards, and so that will probably be the same when it comes in in the Premier League. But even that's going to have an impact. I mean, it, even if it's 20, 30 million quid, twenty or thirty million quid in the context of a club that's not going to hit the PNS is going to be significant. Because what's also true is if you, if if your argument and Chelsea's argument is. We are really clever because what we can do is we can spend £240 million. And because we divide it by eight, that only hits our P&L for £30 million a year. Aren't we clever? Well, first of all, I don't agree with that because it, it, there's sort of a sort of combination of all sorts of different things from actual cash to accounting to the business reality of creating a liability over nine years. But put that to one side, they're saying that 30 million equates to 240 million pound of footballer. Well if that's the case and they miss even by 30 million pounds which actually in the grand scheme of things is not that much money then I my argument as another club as Liverpool or City or Arsenal is well hang on a minute 30 million in the context of the way that you spin it is actually really significant because let's times that 30 million by 8 because that's what your argument is you you say that that thirty million has allowed you to buy two hundred and forty million pound of players. Well, if we'd have bought two hundred and forty million pound of players, we also would have got six, seven, eight more points. So your so your penalty should be very significant, even with a relatively small miss. That's what that's that's a potential argument that they might come up against. I don't know whether you followed what I just said or whether listeners will, but um, that is the argument they're making.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would certainly be an interesting one. And then couple with that, uh, the new uh, financial sustainability regulations that UEFA is implementing, um, which looks to it will eventually cap um, play wages plus um, amortization at 70% of revenue. Um, and that will apply, I think, next season. I think for this season that. Uh, threshold is eighty percent, and I think it was was it ninety percent last season.
3: Um, I think it might be. I think the the years might be misaligned, but I'm not right. I'm not one hundred percent sure. I haven't actually studied it in respect of Chelsea that much because they're not they're not actually in Europe. But the bottom line is they're going to get hit very badly by that because the amortization clearly you're going to put a, an additional factor on the amortization number of let's say ten percent for the fact that. They can't have these long-term contracts, right? So they're going to have extra amortization. They're going around telling everybody that we've got our wages. Some so They've done some magical trick on wages where somehow they're managing to compete with you guys on Casiedo and Lavia. And they're managing to compete with Arsenal on Mudrich. God knows who they competed with on Fernandez, And yet somehow all these players are happy to accept these low wages on a heavily incentivized basis as if incentivization is something that that Todd Bowley made up you know it's just nonsense right there's no way that they are paying less than market rate and i believe and we'll see soon enough i believe their wage bill will remain very high and therefore it's going to be an impossibility to to meet uh european ffp mm-hmm. now the only thing that you would say is european ffp we we kind of know the boundaries of that one we you know we know the way that that is dealt with and uh, uh, PSG probably failed by 300 million euros last year and got a 65 million euro fine uh with 55 suspended and that was their second or third breach so we know that Europe uh obviously they banned city but they banned city because the allegations were incredibly serious they were allegations of 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 deceit and of, of of false accounting and of course if you make allegations like that and you believe that city have done those 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 things, then of course you will have to ban them from the tournament. In the way that I've been, you know, I I also admit that if City are found, all of these things are found proven against City, then of course there will be a points deduction, and it will be a very serious situation. Uh, My, you know, I, I don't think you can shy away from that. But but Chelsea will feel that a breach of financial fair play in a European sense, on a financial basis, can only possibly
0: Allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, certainly based on... They're not even in in Europe, right? So, you know... (laughs) They, they, I tell you what was completely bizarre I don't know if you saw the article yesterday, but the, the athletic wrote, wrote an article, and they didn't even mention Premier League PS. The whole article was premised on UEFA's rule. They completely ignored the Premier League rule, which was just the most unbelievable thing, and it's most, the most unbelievable thing, because I think they'd been briefed by Chelsea, because there's two key numbers in there that both confirm the assumptions that I've been making about their profits. So it talks about the level of profit they've made so far. And when I modeled it on, you know, compared it to my own, I think I was within a couple of million pounds. So I think my profit number is really quite accurate at 97 million quid for 2023. And, and then, then the only question then is, you know, have I made a mistake somewhere else on my forecast, which means that they will pass 2023 because, I don't think I've made a mistake on the profit of, on the profit of player sales. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I haven't read that article, but um, yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if, um, you know, that that was information fed by the club in order to seize control of the narrative um, to at the least pacify their fans who've perhaps been getting a bit worried about, um, what uh, potential repercussions there may be in the future and i on the back of your one of your tweets i then tweeted out a thread a short thread um about the potential repercussions i did make a slight error i did say that any potential uh penalties could be levied this season i i, I misread the uh the handbook i did, i, did re- I, I don't know if you,
3: yeah i don't know if you saw i did reply just to just to correct it yeah
2: yeah, I did, yeah. Um, so in fact, just to just to uh, clarify for listeners, um, any penalties wouldn't be applicable until next season. However, um if, if a club is reporting losses over um the previous two seasons relative to the current season, current season for next season being uh sorry, sorry, for for, for this season being twenty one, twenty two, twenty two, twenty-three, um then uh, they will need to submit um, the uh, accounts by the 31st of December. And that is when um, the Premier League will have um, up to 14 days to um, level any charges against uh, Chelsea. And then there will be a long-stop date of the 6th of June, by which time all matters related to the case need to be concluded, including appeals. Um, yeah so uh, so
3: the interesting thing the, the interesting yes. thing on that of course is that y- you you're saying it won't be this season well let's just slow down a bit because there is a possibility although I think it is on balance probably unlikely there is still a possibility that the accounts that they that they will produce for the season just gone 22 23 will lead to a breach it may be a small breach relative oh. to what we're expecting for the next season but it is possible that they breach 2223 now if they do they go straight into this accelerated process that's now outlined in the appendix that you're talking about and that will mean that this season they could have some sanctions against them in respect of the season that's just gone so it is possible um that they have they have failed 2223 uh, yeah, as I say, my, my focus and my kind of level of confidence about about them being in, in some kind of difficulty is definitely weighted towards next season. But it is possible that they fail 22-23.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the reason why I'm sceptical that it will materialise this season, having we've hit 48.2, is because I, I think um, rules do allow for clubs to offset COVID-related losses, um in, in some of those early seasons. So if the calculation for this season, T minus two would be the 2021, twenty twenty one, twenty 2020,
3: twenty 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 one season. Um yeah with and- with an average. well no it's an average of two of two seasons. So you're talking about a season that's got uh, an operating loss of 147, yeah. profit on player sales of eighty five. So you're then down to about minus minus sixty. That mm. you've then got allowable deductions that we talked about of around about 3435. You've then got COVID impacts of let's say 60, which gives you a net profit of 36, which you then add to the 2022 number, which is a net result of minus 85. So those two things together um leave you with a a need to have a loss for the current for, for Twenty two, twenty three. The season just gone. You would need to have a net loss um, of around about fifty three million pounds on my number. So my, let me just do that. Um, yeah, so something like minus fifty five, right? So they yeah. they'd, they'd be able to lose up to fifty five million after all the deductions. But to to lose minus fifty five, so so to lose fifty five. In my model, they needed to sell £125 million a player. Uh, maybe not quite that, 120 a player. And I think they sold 100 So I think they failed by £20 million quid, even on my numbers. Now, as I say, my numbers might be completely wrong. There might be something they can do with the exceptional. But the COVID, you're right about the COVID impact, but it doesn't save them. It, it just, it makes it easier. I accept that. But it, it's not meant to be uh, a get out of jail free card and i think everton are running a similar argument in terms of they're saying that their covid losses are much bigger than the league believes is applicable mm. and that's the issue and I, I, that's why i think I th- that's why i think there's a little bit of an uncertainty over what happens for for the season that's just gone i think they may end up in an argument with the league over those COVID losses, where they say, oh, no, we lost we lost 150 million because of COVID. And the league goes, well, no, you didn't. Nobody lost 150 million, and we think the number is 60. Yeah, In which case, you failed.
2: Yeah, I think Everton claimed a number in the region of about 150 million for 2020-21, which was a laughably exaggerated number. Um, and I suspect that they're vainly trying to argue that if proceedings are already underway, which we, we don't know if they are, um, but obviously the Premier League hit them with charges back in I think it was March. So we all await the outcome of that case, um, and that was against uh, losses of I think about three hundred and sixty odd million pounds. So um, and, and that in itself might set a very interesting precedent for the Chelsea case, but even. The the Everton situation aside, um, there is yet another pending um, butting of heads between the Premier League and Chelsea relating to a a separate matter, um, but a related matter, which is to do with um, information that wasn't fully declared in the accounts in prior years relating to a period between 2012 and 2019 which uh, I, I believe the Bodhi Consortium did report to both UEFA and the Premier League. UEFA hit Chelsea with a €10 million euro fine, I think it was last week. Um, the Premier League, though, um, are not banned by the statute of limitations, so can go all the way back to 2012, whereas uh, UEFA could only go back um, five years to either 2017 or 2018. So, hence, uh, in the grand scheme of things, a relatively small Slap on the wrist. Um, yeah, I mean, there's two things on that, that.
3: Yes. Well, oh, go on. Oh, sorry, I cut yeah. across. But... On top of
2: that, there, there's further allegations that were reported by uh, Martin Ziegler in the Times, relating to payments um, to um, offshore accounts, relating to intermediaries and family members when it came to player um, transactions, which is a pretty serious matter as well. Um, so, so that all will likely proceed any uh, case relating to um, the uh, PSR calculation. Sorry, Stefan.
3: Well, I mean, two very big points. One is the Premier League does have a statute of limitation, So this is one okay. of the biggest misnomers around. Okay. The Premier League rules are governed by English law. The English law, um, both in respect to the bits that are, are um, uh, in respect of the arbitration Act, but also more generally, has a six-year statute of limitation, which applies to the Premier League rules. It's one of the... the, uh, I don't know how it's become... But it is not true that the Premier League has no statute of limitation. Now, in English law, it is not true that that you can't get round the statute of limitation. You can. So there are various uh, nuances to the statute of limitation, particularly in respect of things that have effectively been deceitfully withheld from investigation. So, for example, if actually all of this is proven against City to be something that was a grand conspiracy that was deceitfully uh, hidden, then, of course, the statute of limitation will fall away because it's effectively fraud. Likewise, uh, if Um, if it's found that actually it was just a a kind of difference of opinion of a situation that happened in 2012, then the the league cannot investigate it. It is bound by a statute of limitation. So there's a bit of confusion around this. A lot of your listeners will will say that I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I do know what I'm talking about. I have tested the point. I am a lawyer and I have tested the point extensively with other lawyers, king's counsel included, and we are all uh very clear and because it is exp- expressly clear in the in the Premier League rules that it's governed by english law and english law uh, without question has a six year time limit um aside from the carve outs that that come from fraud deceit uh, et cetera et cetera so if anybody is interested they can uh, they can look at my historic timeline um i did do a recent quite a long substack that explains this as well um not just this point because that would be really very boring um so that, that's just one point of detail but let's let's be clear right um the z the ziegler article, i think just reflects something that is part of the disclosures that have been made to the premier league i don't think it's anything new i think it's just part of and let's be very clear they are going to be charged uh, by the premier league because why wouldn't they be? These are matters that they've admitted were incomplete information. We know that they must have been at a certain level of materiality because if they weren't, uh, if they didn't have a certain level of materiality, then UEFA wouldn't have charged, wouldn't have fined them 10 million euros. So they are relatively serious matters. They have admitted them. They will be charged and they will be sanctioned for them. And I don't think there's any question about it, really. You know, we'll see. But I can't see any I can't see any argument why why they would not be charged. That you know, it's kind of there's not really anything to properly investigate. At the end of the day, they've they've made a disclosure to the Premier League of these things. The only thing for the Premier League to do is to ask more questions about things that they've admitted. And if hmm. you've admitted them, you are gonna get charged.
2: Yeah yeah and again that would be an interesting case uh, but I suppose the fact that they came forward with this information um might
3: like, i think it will and all this yeah and i think, it, I, think leniency, I suppose no, and, uh, no, no it will there will be a mitigating it will be a mitigating yeah. factor I don't think there's any question it'll be a mitigating factor and um And and therefore, I I wouldn't expect it to be, um, you know, points or sporting sanctions. I would expect it just to be a financial sanction. Um, But it doesn't change the fact that it is coming down the line for them. And it's going to, you know, not everybody is going to be able to understand the nuances of the situation or necessarily understand the differences between a financial fair play breach and something that relates to the stuff that they've admitted. So the noise that they're going to face is going to be very significant. And it's not going to help them if they then, shortly after that, breach the profit and sustainability stuff that we talked about.
0: Mm.
2: Indeed. Um, right. Well, Stefan, we've um, already hit the hour mark. Um, and it's, it's by very, very quickly. Um, covered the the story in depth and then some. So I really, really do appreciate um, the time you've given um, us and our listeners, um, very enlightening, very informative. So I really do appreciate it. And uh, I'd love to have you back on again in the future. Um, I'd really like to delve into the Manchester City um, case that is also pending um, that stems from the 115 charges leveled by the Premier League earlier this calendar year. Um, so all been well, um, if diaries allow, we will... I hope he won't get you on again. Um, for those um, um, listeners that like to follow you on social media, where can they find you?
3: Um, so I'm only on Twitter, really. Uh, SLBSN. So uh, just five five letters. Uh, no vowels. Uh, SLBSN. Uh, look, my content is not always just uh, describing what's going on at Chelsea. A lot of it is uh, sort of fairly... Uh, Fairly uh, annoying city chat as well, so uh, it won't be for everybody. But a lot of the people that have followed on the back of your recent tweets, uh, Liverpool fans have, have have reached out to say how much they've enjoyed the content over the last few weeks. So, um, so uh, yeah, there's something there. There is something there for for most people. But uh, I don't shy away from the fact that I'm a very big, uh, long-standing City fan from from the '80s uh, who uh, put in a lot of time before. Before the stuff that's happened more recently, so uh, there is still a lot of detailed city chat.
2: Excellent, great stuff. And um, and uh, as we recall this, um, there's a small matter of a UA for Super League game, uh, Super Cup game, even um, City versus Sevilla for you to uh, go and enjoy. Um, so uh, yeah,
3: how was this? I we'll was in Istanbul. I was in Istanbul, but I I decided not to go to Athens for a glorified friendly, although I am quite (laughs) interested in tonight's game a bit more than a charity shield. So we shall see.
2: Yeah, quite, quite. But uh, thanks again. And listeners, I'll be back again in a couple of weeks. Once the transfer window, as they say, slams shut um, to reflect on the window, but also more importantly to talk about FSG and um, how they fared as owners um, during the window. Obviously, um, they have come in for fair amounts of criticism once more, um, but more importantly, we will be delving into um, the, the model that they choose to operate and um, whether that is fit for purpose given the direction of travel of uh, not only the Premier League, but football more generally, and um, whether that is a model that can sustain any form of success or competitive Uh, uh, performance uh, for, for Liverpool Football Club going forward so that is certainly one to look forward to and that will be out in a couple of weeks but until next time thanks for listening
1: we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show